the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O oh, my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O oh, my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act says the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, as the Spirit was moving over the waters, we ask that your Spirit would come and rest on us. As the wind of your breath was filling every dry and desolate place and drawing together every disconnected part of your creation. We pray that the wind of your Spirit would come and blow among us. That we might know life. That we might speak life. That we might be filled. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus. And in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Ezekiel says, did you hear that the hand of the Lord was on me? The hand of the Lord was on me. And the spirit of the living God led me out and placed me in the midst of a valley. And there were bones. That's where the word of God invites us this morning to come alongside Ezekiel, to stand alongside Ezekiel, not only to hear this word, but to be in this um, place with Ezekiel. But before we go there, we need to roll the story back just a bit. Ezekiel stands there because the people of God have been through a long exile. It's good to be back with you. I was here some three weeks ago and we talked about that exile. I know it's hard to remember last week's service and then the previous week's sermon and much less three weeks ago the sermon, but that's what we talked about, exile. So we roll the story back, Ezekiel standing here, we roll the story back and here are the people of God scattered, taken, disconnected, separated from their place, exile for 70 years. But we're rolling the story back even further because uh, to its beginnings, because how the story begins is important. In fact, that's almost universally true for any story. Have you noticed this? That the beginning and the endings of stories really matter a lot if you're going to hear the story, if you're going to understand the story, if you're going to get the story. You ever had this experience? Maybe once upon a time, remember when we used to go to the movies? Anyone? I miss. I was thinking about this this last week. I drove past the theater and I thought, oh, yeah. I can't remember the last time I went to the movies. In a long time. But if you've ever gone to the movies and you show up at the movies and you're running behind, I don't know because you got the time wrong or your wife didn't get ready on time or oh, I heard some hissing at that one. I... <laughs> but if you've ever showed up at the movie late and the, you know, so late that The trailers have all happened, and there's a lot of trailers, and the story has already started, and you're five to ten minutes in, and you're trying, what's the experience like? You're trying to figure out what happened in the first five to ten minutes. You spend the whole movie trying to figure out, well, what happened in the first five to ten minutes? Because what happens in the beginning, the very beginning of the story, really shapes the trajectory for that story. It it shapes how you interpret what's happening in the rest of the story. Same thing's true for the end. Okay, now I really do want to know if any of you have had this experience where you've gone to the movies and you showed up on time because your wife did get ready on time, more hissing, and the story unfolds and it has you right at the edge of your seat and then the projector breaks? Anybody? Halfway toward, you've had that happen before? And someone, you sit there in the dark and the thing's, you know, you're like, what happened? Truth is, if you miss the beginning of the story or you miss the ending of the story, you really have a hard time understanding the story, don't you? Something could happen in those last moments of the story that change everything. Can you think of a movie where in the last scene, you're like, poof, mind blown. I had no idea. It, it completely changes the whole thing. You're, you're like reeling back, trying to figure out what was going on. The beginning of the story, the ending of the story matter. And 
And so you can't really hear the story that is Scripture without really understanding and embracing and drawing the story forward from its, from its origin, from its very beginnings. In fact, you can misinterpret a lot of what's happening in the narrative of Scripture if you pull it out of its context and you separate it from its beginnings. And history is fraught with Christians, and maybe even the present is fraught with Christians who take portions of Scripture and pull them up and use them in this way or that, disconnected from the continuity of the narrative set in place in the very beginning. So I told you three weeks ago that we were going to come back to the beginnings, the story of origins, the beginnings of the biblical story again and again and again, because without hearing it and drawing it forward, you really can't understand what's happening in any part of the story. And so we believe this, and you're going to get really good at this as we spend more time together. And I promise I won't do this every single sermon. But here's how the story begins. In the beginning, in case you're wondering if you're at the very beginning of the story, we'll leave no doubt, in the beginning, God. God. And everything else that flows forward issues from God. The source of all life, the source of all things, this um, one who we confess is also three, but is one, is in God's own very essence together. Isn't it a beautiful thing? I think I could stop here and we could just spend the rest of the time just unpacking this idea, this thought, that the God that we worship and the God that we adore is, by our own confession, one perfectly united, but three held together in this beautiful harmony, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this perfect relationship and harmony, the oneness, the shalom, the fullness, in the beginning, this God of oneness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and I shared with you this word three weeks ago, so I'm pulling all this forward. This word for the earth being formless and empty, does anyone know what, remember what that word was? If so, you get like a hundred like Bible stars, and that will get you, I don't know what, um, Bible stars is what it gets you. Anyone remember that phrase in Hebrew? Do you remember this? Say it. Tohu vabohu. Stars, Bible stars. That's amazing. You're a note taker, aren't you? And you had it right there. In your, yeah, that's good. I like that. Tohu vabohu. It's the Hebrew phrase, the Hebrew word that we translate formless, void, empty. It means that nothing, if it's, if it's formless and it's a void, nothing has substance because nothing holds together. Nothing is connected, Right? That's the description. There's God in God's oneness, in God's togetherness, and um, the Spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the deep. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and the Spirit of God is hovering over that formless emptiness, that no togetherness, that no life. Okay, what's hovering over the surface of the deep? The Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. 
that part of God that animates and draws things together because it's then um, the Spirit of God, the wind, the breath of God that begins to call all things together. Is this sounding familiar? Good. And so from that point, it says, our story says in its beginnings, that God spoke and by God's word, with the Spirit infusing that breath, that life, the creation came forth, the good creation came forth. In other words, God began to draw that chaos together, that disconnectedness. He began to draw all things together. And the the picture is a beautiful one. The created order itself lives in this kind of balance, in this kind of togetherness. It's pictured in the opening scenes as what? A garden. This beautiful garden that flourishes and has life. It's sustaining in its life. It sustains itself and it sustains all things. Why? Because it issues from the God of wholeness and togetherness. The Spirit of God calls forth the good creation. And the Spirit of God calls forth human persons to live in oneness with God. God, what does it say? He walked among them. He walked with them. And they walked with God. It was beautiful. And then God created human persons for one another. Right? So that they could live in oneness with each other. In harmony. In in shalom. It is the deepest, I'm telling you, it is the deepest longing of our hearts. That kind of oneness. That kind of togetherness. That kind of of peace. Who was it who's gone long before us who says our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God? This is the deepest longing of our heart. The picture in the beginning of the story is of the oneness of God and the oneness, the togetherness, the shalom of the created order and the created ones and all of them with God at the mid, in the midst of all of that. Yes? And then things begin to come apart. We call it the fall. It's really the, the break. It's the tohu vabohu coming back again, pulling all things apart. And so that, that created order, that garden that we saw a picture of outside of that doesn't sound so together anymore. There's thorns and thistles and the ground has to be worked and so on and so forth. And the created ones are separated from the one who created them and gives them life. Separated God from God's own people. And the created ones in relationship to each other, fractured. Instead of seeing one another as life, to speak life and to give life into each other to give and receive that life, to to say that my relationship, my posture in relationship to you is to pour my life out so that you can have life because I trust that you too are called to pour your own life out so that I might have life and we flourish in God's goodness. But instead, I see you as threat. I see you as enemy. I see you as the one who, is, who is, has life that I must steal in order to protect and build up my own life. That's the story 
And the turn here, and here's the deal. From that point forward, God is in relentless pursuit of what He intended from the beginning. Relentless pursuit. He is calling and drawing all things and all people back together again. He calls forth Israel. Why? To bless the world. How? To bless the world. To to be a people who live into that oneness. That if there's some place that you can look in the world, you can look at the people of God and say, ah, there's a glimpse of what God was doing in the very beginning. How is it that these people possess this oneness? Because the Spirit was moving over the waters. And the Spirit was moving over God's people. This is how. This is our story in the beginnings. And so, here we come alongside Ezekiel, standing before a valley. The hand of the Lord is on him. And the Spirit of the Lord has led him into the midst of this valley. Don't miss the location. And I mean, yes, quite literally, the location, the valley. It is, to put it in very simple terms, the place between the hills. Right? The valley is the place between the hills. Don't miss the significance. And I'm going to make a, a literal move here. Because I kind of like it here in the hill country. Don't you? <laughs> Some of you moved here recently, or maybe not too many years ago, to be here in this place of the hills. I grew up in North Texas, was born in Fort Worth, all my growing up years in Wichita Falls. I think I shared that with you before. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like this there. It's flat. Remember the first time I came down to visit, uh, after I met my wife in college, it's really the first time I had been to the hill country. Honest. First time. And we were college students, freshmen. And she brought me home at Easter, I think. And we drove into this part of the state, and I said, I remember, she will vouch for me. I remember I said, I had no idea. That this was a part of our state. I had no idea. This place, I'm going to say Kerrville, is in the heart of this beautiful place between the hills. I drive out I-10. It's not very far. We drive up and down the hills and then over this big hill coming down into Kerrville. Almost like it sits in this valley. Do not miss the location of this vision. And it's not just Kerrville, but I would say it stretches out. Fredericksburg and Bandera and Ernie and this place between the hills. Because from this place, as we stand alongside Ezekiel, you can see, if you, if you stop and look, you can see the between the hills, the valley. Ezekiel leads us there back and forth. And to walk with Ezekiel in this place is to move among the bones. The lifeless places. 
the dry bones, to be among the dry bones is to stop. Ezekiel, I don't know that he had a choice. If the hand of the Lord is on you and the Spirit of the Lord is picking you up and setting you down, he stops long enough to see it. The no life. And I wonder if we're, if we're standing with Ezekiel this morning, if the Spirit of God isn't also leading us to stop. Stop. Everything else that commands our attention, everything else that is on our agenda, good things. Often it's the long list of the good things that most distracts us, not bad things. Stop long enough to see the valley places, the no-life places. It's all around us. And we're driving from point A to point B, and we're running from one meeting to another, or one thing we need to do to another, and we're tending to this or tending to that, and we don't see all of the places of no life. They're all around us. And it's not only to stop long enough, led by the Spirit, to stand with Ezekiel, led by the Spirit, to see the no life, but it's also in that moment to hear the question. Did you hear the question? The question, can these bones live? If you're moving so fast, if you're so distracted, if you're so preoccupied, not just with busyness, but in your own self-interest, that you can't see the valley and the bones, you're going to have a hard time hearing the question, which is the most important question. Can these bones live? One way to read the Ezekiel story is to stand alongside Ezekiel and to be still, to see all the places around us that are broken. What if? What if God were raising up by God's Spirit, because that's the way it happens for Ezekiel, and by the hand of the Lord that, that you, you could swear it's on your shoulder, the hand of the Lord. You can feel it. Raising up a people who are moving back and forth in this place of the hills, paying attention to all the broken, desolate places. In fact, you understood that your job, the errands that you run, the things that you have to do, are only a means for God to lead you into that place where you might notice the broken, desolate, lifeless ones. One way to read the story is to say that God's calling us to walk alongside Ezekiel, and like Ezekiel, to see and to hear this question. Another way to read the story, though, the Ezekiel story, is to fall down flat on your face because in that moment you realize that you are of those who are the dry bones. Can church be an honest enough place where we can come to terms with that? I wonder. I like the idea of placing myself right alongside Ezekiel. Here we go, Ezekiel, you and me and God. We're going to go look for all the broken people all the desolate people, until the story turns and you realize that Ezekiel's looking at you and me. Because there's a lot broken and undone yet still in us, yes? We're never going to know the power of God's resurrection until we confess our own 
brokenness, our own lifelessness. And whatever notions we have of salvation that say that, well, once you kind of admit that, you can move on and you never have to deal with that again, don't you and I know that that doesn't exactly ring true? We are being redeemed and restored. We fall flat on our face at the recognition that we are the bones. And what we are doing here, week in and week out, is asking God to lead us out by the Spirit and grant us a vision, a true enough moment of clarity to see what is around us, the valley, and within us, that for whatever reason we are no longer able to see. There's an old Indian proverb, an old Indian tale, that says, you know, what happens with us is there's a stone with sharp edges that's placed within our heart. And every time it turns, we feel it's cut. And then it turns again, and we feel it's cut, and it pains us. Until it turns and it turns and it turns and it cuts its groove, and then when it turns, you don't feel it anymore. Maybe part of what God is doing is drawing us back up together again where we can feel what Ezekiel feels when he sees and hears in that moment this valley of dry bones, and we recognize our own undoneness. We move back and forth among the hills with Ezekiel, and we listen for the voice to ask, can these bones live? And here's the thing. Almost as soon as we hear the question, I'm going to move over here, it seems to be better. Almost as soon as we can hear the question, and answer it, God says, wait, now go prophesy to the bones. Did you notice this? Go prophesy to the bones. Speak words over the no life. Speak words over the no life. This is all God commands Ezekiel to do, is to speak words of life over the valley. Take note of that. I will make breath enter you. Tell them this. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Speak words. However complicated we try and make this, your words have power when they are infused and commissioned by the Spirit of God. You speak words over the no life. I had a friend I met in Dallas years ago. His name's Stephen McGee. Stephen McGee grew up on the hard streets on the hard side of Dallas. And education didn't work for him. And he got in trouble along the way, and he had been in and out of prison, and he had lived on the streets, and Stephen was living in housing uh, in a place where we had established a, a presence as a university downtown, City Square. Stephen became my friend. And more than that, I'll share more as we go forward this fall, he became my teacher. He says, you're crazy. You're the professor. <laughs> One day I came uh, to Dallas. I drove from Abilene. I'd spend time in downtown Dallas, and Stephen was sitting in the space, in our space, on the second uh, floor. And uh, he was sitting there, and I walked in, and he looked up at me, and he said, Stephen. And I said, Stephen. And he pointed right at me, and he said, you said something to me that no one's ever said to me in my whole life. I thought, oh my, what, I don't, what did I say? <laughs> uh, 
uh, I thought I was in trouble. I said, what do you mean? I'm trying to remember back where Stephen and I had, had conversations and what we might have talked about. And he said, no. No one in my family. He said, no one, no teacher that I ever had in school. No one ever spoke those words to me. And I said, what did I say to you, Stephen? And he said, you told me. I believe in you. That no one's ever said. Speak life. Speak life. How difficult can it be to step out of ourselves enough and see the no life in front of us and to just lean in enough to speak words of life, whatever they might need to be in the moment. I believe in you. How many children? I've never had a parent say to them, I'm proud of you. When you know as well as I do that formed in us at a very young age, at a very base level, is really nothing more than our mom or our dad saying, I see you and I'm proud of you. Speak life. Ezekiel stands there over the no life and says, can these bones live? And the, Ezekiel says, well, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And God says, stop, Ezekiel, stop with that. Prophesy to the bones. In other words, speak over the bones. Speak life. I'm going to start preaching in a minute. <laughs> um, prophesy. And it's not only to other people, but in this room, what a beautiful thing to be a part of a people who will see and hear and know each other well enough to, that we're leaning in and every moment we're leaning in to speak life into one another. I love this invitation that Raymond gives us. Turn someone around you and greet them. You know what that moment is? It's a moment to speak life. To just with joy to speak life. To you, that someone you know or you don't know, to follow the hand of God placed upon you to say, I'm going to speak life to someone today. And then to be led out of this place, to sent out of this place in the Spirit of God, to go and find every occasion, a moment to speak life. God says, prophesy to the bones. And then God says, did you follow? He says, I want you to prophesy again the second time. Prophesy to the bones. Then God says, prophesy to the breath. Now, that'll preach. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the breath. Speak words over the bones. And then, get this, turn and direct your words to God, because the breath comes from where? The breath comes from God. It's the Spirit of God. It is the wind of God. Prophesy, call forth the wind, the breath. Come, breathe from the four winds, and breathe into these that they may live. The Ezekiel story reaches back to the very beginning of God's great movement in all things 
And it says that God is moving towards us and God is moving through us, that we not only see the broken places around us and within us, but that we are turning to God to say, come, Holy Spirit, breathe on these slain that they will live. And it's at the center of our, forefront of our consciousness and it's at the center of our hearts that we are a people infused with the life of God who are willing to speak life and are willing to stand boldly before God and say, come, come, come. Breathe on us. Breathe on this place. In every space between the hills, near or far, where God would draw up people, be the breath in our lungs. Be the breath in our lungs. And the good news is, God says, I'm going to open your graves and you will live. I'm going to bring you back home, and you will live. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and you will live. Prophesy bones, prophesy breath. In just a moment, we're going to sing these words. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Let me just say those again. Listen. Hear these words. I'm going to prophesy them over you. Meaning I'm going to speak them. This is our God. You give life. You are love. You bring light to darkness. You give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And we don't do this, at least in my short tenure with you, we don't do this all the time, but as we sing those words, if the Spirit of God is moving among you, and you just want someone to come and speak a word of blessing over you, I'm going to stand up here for that, and there may be some others of the shepherds that would want to join too, or uh, at least be watching for those that might come. So we don't often have a time where we're calling people to response, but this morning it seems to me that we will. It's not because, you know, there's no, has to be no other reason than to say, I just want to speak words of life over someone, or I want words of life to be spoken over me, or maybe I'm going to come and ask that you speak words of life over someone else that I'm thinking about. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Let's stand and sing these words.